Wage theft, the illegal withholding of workers' wages by their employers, is rampant across the United States. A new report shows that the government recovered over $3 billion in stolen wages between 2017 and 2020, but the total amount taken by bosses is vastly higher. Workers are sent to jail for theft, but under capitalism, corporate executives have impunity for theft on a massive scale. We need a new system. We need a new society. We need to demand that which may have sounded impossible even a few weeks ago, but is not only realizable, but an imperative necessity. Deepening unemployment, a looming wave of evictions, massive and widening inequality. There's no denying it, capitalism is in crisis and capitalism is the crisis. We are very excited to have Professor Richard Wolf join us for a regular weekly segment where we discuss the biggest stories relating to the economy, the state of the working class, and the crimes of big business. I'm Walter Smolarik, filling in for Brian Becker. The Socialist Program brings you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons at patreon.com slash the socialist program. We appreciate all of your support and encourage you to become a patron today if you enjoy listening to the show. Richard Wolff is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work and the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself, and a new hard copy edition of Professor Wolff's book Understanding Marxism has been released, which features a new lengthy introduction, which strengthens the case for why Marxism is worth understanding. You can check out all of his work at rdwolff.com. Professor Wolff, The Economic Policy Institute put out a report recently titled More Than $3 Billion in Stolen Wages Recovered for Workers Between 2017 and 2020. Now, you and I as socialists, I mean, in a sense, we consider all wage labor to be a form of theft. But let's just talk about this phenomenon itself first before we get into that. I mean, how much is stolen just straight withheld from paychecks? from workers by bosses on an annual basis in the United States? Well, the honest answer is that nobody knows. We do know that it's enormous. We do know that it's across the country. We have some detailed information, but a comprehensive measurement isn't possible because of a simple reality. Employers, a small minority of our population, are the people who gain by stealing the wages they were supposed to pay to their employees. But the problem is they have every incentive to hide whatever it is they're doing. Because it is illegal in many cases, because it will upset and anger their employees if they know about it, it is damaging to the larger community because underpaid workers have less money to spend on all the other businesses in the area. When you put it all together, there's no surprise that we can't know how big it is because the people doing it have so many incentives, not only to do it, but to hide it when they do. But let me give you a few examples of what we know. 
one of the most important victims of wage theft is the group we call immigrants, and particularly undocumented immigrants, immigrants that don't have the necessary papers or all the necessary papers to be legally working in the United States. And what that means, and I've encountered that many times in my own life here in the city of New York where I live and work, you will encounter people working on a construction site or working in a coffee shop or working in a fast food or retail or any of many, many industries who will basically tell you the same story. They're an undocumented immigrant. And the employer one day told them that he was very sorry, but he didn't have the money this week to pay them and that he would resume paying them next week. Of course, if they worked all week, they would just have to go without this week's pay. Now, what is an undocumented immigrant supposed to do? He or she cannot go to the police, even if they're aware that this is illegal, what the employer is doing. They can't dare go there because they don't want the attention of the police because that risks their being sent home to wherever they came from because they don't have the right papers. So they are, in effect, without protection. People like that are fearful of going to any government office for the same reason. And the employers know it. It is important that everyone who isn't an undocumented immigrant, but is an employee, understand that you too are victimized by this. Because the employers want to hire the undocumented immigrant, give favorable attention to undocumented immigrants looking for work, because they know they can rip them off in this way. It's easier and safer to do that to an undocumented immigrant than it is to either a Native American citizen born here or to an immigrant who has the requisite documents and therefore isn't afraid to go. So when Americans get angry at immigrants, they really misunderstanding what's going on. The immigrant isn't the problem. It's the problem that we permit by not prosecuting and searching for it, the underpayment of immigrants on a massive scale in this country, and that is then damaging the job opportunities for everybody else. We would all be better off if the employer didn't have an incentive to steal the wages. Let me give you another example. Young people, and likewise old people, the two ends of the age distribution. The young people often don't know what their legal rights are. The old people often don't know their legal rights or really need the job they have, the greeter at Walmart or whatever it might be, to supplement Social Security because Social Security is not enough to live on. And therefore, there's an incentive not to challenge the boss if and when the boss underpays you. Then there's the example of the places where the boss simply has too much power. We permit in the United States a system in which employers can pay workers in restaurants and in every kind of business like that a lower minimum wage than they have to pay everybody else. This, of course, already is a kind of wage theft. 
But we reason in our society, or we allow the government to reason, that what you don't get paid in an hourly from your restaurant boss, you pick up in tips. Yes, but the tips are often, and here comes the trick, collected by the employer. They're the addition at the bottom of the restaurant bill that you're paying with a credit card or perhaps with cash. It doesn't matter. The employer collects all those tips, and then the employer is supposed to reimburse the workers to give them the tips because that's for whom the tip was intended. But the employer may dip into that, may deduct something for managing all of it. All kinds of games are played that have the bottom line effect of denying workers in restaurants the tips that are crucial to whatever standard of living their job allows them to employ. So, I mean, I could go on with countless examples, but it has been a problem in the United States from day one. There is nothing new. There is nothing that should astonish anyone who's been paying attention. And if I could have one more moment on this, I want to stress that this thievery, this stealing of the wages comes out of the very logic of our capitalist system. We have a system in which to understand what production is, it's really quite simple. The employer, that very small minority of our population, employers as a class, buy tools, equipment, raw materials, etc., that go into producing whatever they make, ice cream cones, software programs, restaurant meals, it doesn't matter. And they know that they will get that money back that they've poured into the tools, equipment, and raw materials because they'll charge for the output an amount of money that reimburses them for what they laid out on the tools, equipment, and raw materials. The other expense they have is the labor, hiring the people who will convert the raw materials, use the tools and equipment to produce the final product that is sold. And that final product will have a price attached to it, which is the simple sum adding together the outlay of money on tools, equipment, and raw materials, the cost, plus the value added, that's what we call it, by the worker doing his or her or their labor. And so let's make a simple number example. $100 worth of tools, equipment, and raw materials, $100 worth of value added by the person who converts all of those things into the final product that the employer sells. And let's assume it's 100 for the tools, equipment, and raw material, another 100 value added by the worker. So what's the value of the output? 200. Real simple. But here's the problem. And if you understand this, you get the core of capitalism. The problem is that the employer who gets the 200 when you sell the output has a problem. He obviously needs 100 to replace the tools, equipment, and raw materials that were used up. In order to continue being in business, he's got to replace those that he used up. Okay, so 100 out of the 200 is used for that. That leaves him 100. What is he going to do? He could give it to the worker. Why? On the simple theory that if the worker's labor added that value, well, then the worker should get the value that he or she or they add 
to the raw materials, tools, and equipment during the production process. But the employer never does that. He never gives to the workers the value added by their labor. Because if he did, there'd be nothing in the whole business for him as employer. And that's not why he's in business, to buy tools, equipment, and raw material at the higher workers. He's in business, as he will tell you every day, to make money, to make a profit, to come away with more money at the end than he had going in. And that means he cannot give the worker the value added by that worker's labor. He's going to pay him 50, maybe 60. And then the other 40 out of the 100 added value by the employer, he keeps. That's what profit is. The share of the value added by a worker that is kept by the employer. That's the polite way of saying it. The not so polite way is there's an incentive in capitalism for the capitalist to snatch back from the worker as much of the value added by that worker's labor as he possibly can. And that's why employers across the board look for and exploit every opportunity they can identify to reduce what they pay to the worker, to keep more of the value added by that worker for themselves as profit. If we really wanted as a society to do something about endlessly squeezing workers in all the way people listening to this program have experienced in their own lives, then we would have to do something about a system that incentivizes employers to do that their profits will be greater the less they have to pay their workers. So, of course, they look for ways to pay them a little and to snatch back, to steal even portions of what they have to pay them in the end. System change is the only way to stop this from continuing. Yeah, thank you, Professor Wolf, for that explanation. Two things that I want to drill down on in this episode. I mean, there's what we were talking about at the, the beginning with what is technically illegal under the existing order, that definition of wage theft. I think that reveals some really important things about the, the nature of the government under capitalism. And I want to return to that in a few minutes. But just to pick up on, on the last part of what you said, which I think is, is so important, the socialist understanding of where wealth comes from that wealth comes from labor, and that profits are essentially a form of theft. I mean, here's another way to think about it. I mean, if if you go to the grocery store for somebody and you bring them back $100 worth of groceries and that person pays you $50, you would think, wow, this person stole $50 from me. You wouldn't think, oh, wow, that's so nice of them for giving me $50. You would say, oh, I've, I've been cheated. I've been cheated out of $50 because I just gave this person $100 worth of something they need, food, groceries, but didn't get the full value of that back. I mean, it's really as simple as that. That's the trick that lies at the heart of capitalist accumulation, to use economic terms. So here's how defenders of the capitalist system would answer that. They would say, okay, well, well, maybe there's some truth to that, but the capitalist had the idea. The capitalist innovates. The capitalist organizes production, and they have all the good ideas. And so they're entitled to take their share out of what the worker produces. How, how do you respond to that? 
Well, you know, it's a very old defense, and it should have been retired like uh, overage things normally are long ago. Capitalists in our day and age are very rarely inventors of anything. Take the, the board of directors of General Motors, one of the most powerful capitalists in the United States. And I could say the same thing about virtually every other major corporation you can think of. Those members, those 15, 20 people that sit on the board of directors and who are both legally and in the reality of the world, the capitalists, the employers, the bosses, they're the ones who hire everyone else, the board of directors. So they're the people in charge. None of the people currently sitting on the board of General Motors has ever done anything in the way of inventing anything that General Motors sells. Long ago, the capitalists hired other people, paid employees to do all that work. They set up research and development laboratories. They hire the director of the laboratory, who in turn hires all the scientists that are put to work developing a new engine or a new automobile or an electric car instead of a gas-powered car, etc., etc. It is sheer fakery of the people who sit at the top of our system, who are the ones responsible for wage theft, to say, oh, gee, you should look the other way. You should pretend that I'm not doing it because, after all, I had the great idea. No, 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 Jack. The great idea was had by people who have been dead a very long time. You can't keep writing on them to justify what you are doing. The mistake here is to confuse the normal 99% of capitalists with the 1% who are sitting on top of a corporation with whose beginning they had something personally to do. They're Bill Gates or they're somebody else like that who could make a claim, I was at the beginning of this company, even though as with Gates, he long ago stopped inventing anything having to do with Microsoft or with the computer and is busy doing other things in his life, which you can all read about. He has nothing to do with what's happening at the Microsoft Corporation in terms of what it is or isn't inventing. So defending it on those grounds is trying to hustle your audience into giving you who rip people off for a living, the credit of the few who some time ago invented something your business is now selling. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Okay, let's turn to another aspect of this, and that's the nature of the government under capitalism. I mean, to me, this discrepancy in how theft is treated in society is proof positive that the government is not just a neutral referee in society, right? They're not just trying to balance the interests of all the different groups of people in society in a fair and equitable and democratic fashion. They are, in fact, on a side. They pick a side, and the side they pick is the capitalists. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of workers in prison across the United States for theft, for stealing, oftentimes for stealing not that much money. But here you have the bosses 
corporate executives stealing billions of dollars every year, and yet virtually nobody goes to prison for it. I mean, talk about that a little bit. What does this say about the so-called justice system under an economic and social order as unequal as this one? Well, I think the best way to respond would be to give you an idea of what would be necessary in a society like ours if you took this seriously. Here's what you would have to do. In every working class neighborhood in this country, there would be an office, and it would be the office of wage theft or some other name like that. And it would be understood that this office would have to be staffed with lawyers, this office would have to be staffed with investigators, and there would be an open invitation to all workers If you have a claim that something has been done to you that deprived you of wages or salaries that you were entitled to, you come to this office and you fill out a complaint and the complaint has to be investigated because a citizen has come forward to assert that a crime has been committed. That's what the police are there to do. That's how a police investigation usually starts when someone comes in and complains that they were cheated out of something or something was stolen from them, et cetera, et cetera. So now you would have an office that recognizes this issue. You wouldn't presume that the employer was guilty. You'd give them the presumption of innocence. But there would be an investigation, and the evidence that the complainant had would be brought forward, and the evidence of the employer, if he has counter evidence, would be presented, and a presumably fair decision would be reached. In the event that the employer was found to have committed wage theft, the employer would have to reimburse the worker for what was taken from him, her, or they. And an additional fine would be charged to the employer to reimburse the government for the cost of having these kinds of offices scattered around neighborhoods where working people live. And believe me, that would be a counter-incentive for employers who would think long and hard before doing what they now do so often as a matter of routine, because now there would be a real risk that they would be caught up and have to pay not only the wages they stole, but a fine on top of it that pays for the people who determined that they stole that thing in the, the wages in the first place. If you were serious about this, If you recognize that wage theft has been a problem throughout the history of the United States and that it's worth untold billions of dollars every year, then you would have done this long ago. And nothing, therefore, at your point, nothing illustrates the lopsided notions of quote-unquote justice that operate in this country, that there is nothing remotely like what I've just described Anywhere in the United States, there are hard-to-reach, complicated, bureaucratic wages and hours departments in some places whose activities are limited by very small budgets, very small staffs, and the general lack of awareness on the part of the people as to what even their rights are, let alone how to get them respected. So you'd have to face all of that reality 
and then institute a way of dealing with it, something like what I've just described. And the absence of that is the proof of the unfairness of our system. Yeah, absolutely. Could not be more unfair. Could not be more unfair. The other form of theft that we've been talking about, the theft that is all profit-making under capitalism, in the sense that all wages are a form of theft, that depends on the state too. That depends on protection from the government as well. I mean, on both fronts, in the front that's you know technically, formally, on paper, illegal, the type of wage theft that we were talking about at the very beginning of the interview, and the type of theft that is endemic to all capitalist production, I mean, that too is protected. I mean, the worker can't call the police and say, oh, my surplus value is being stolen from me. But the boss can call the police when that worker goes on strike for higher wages or better benefits or better conditions. The cops will definitely come in that instance. You know, there's another kind of wage theft that's not referred to that way, but I think makes your point also. In economics, we have a term called the real wage. And the reason we put that word real in front of wage is to take account that what the wage is really worth to a worker who depends on it depends in turn on the prices of everything that worker uses the wage to buy. In other words, if you get 10% more wage, money in your paycheck, but everything you buy costs 10% more than it did before, your 10% wage increase means absolutely nothing to you. It doesn't allow you to buy one more item than you were able to buy before you got the 10% because the prices have gone up. So you can really steal the real wages of workers by letting them get whatever money wage they get, give them that, but then just jack up the prices of everything they have to buy. And I use that example because that's what's going on right now. From December of last year to December of this year, the inflation rate is roughly between 7 and 8%. We'll get the exact numbers any day now when those numbers are released. Okay, 7 to 8%. That means if you're getting the same money wage today that you got last year, and let's assume that there's no theft there, that they are paying you the same dollar amount this January that they did last January. The reality is your real wage has been stolen from you because since prices are on average 8% higher, your same dollar wage can't buy what it used to be able to buy because everything on average now costs 8% more. You are facing a lower real wage, which means a lower standard of living and of consumption than you had. The employer who doesn't pay you the wage he owes can get the money out of you in another way by jacking up the price you have to pay for whatever that employer sells in the market. And that's another way to pull away the value that the employer wants that you added by your work, but that the employer doesn't want to give you because the less he gives you, the more he keeps for himself. And I don't mind adding the simple point, what kind of an economic system do we live with that sets us against each other this way? You know, if you talk to employers, they will tell you stories about employees who steal from them. And they're right. There are such employees. But my question is, 
They're reacting to the thievery performed on them. We're caught up in an economic system that provides incentives for both the employer and the employee to engage in whatever theft they can get away with. And rather than blame one or the other, it's a system like this that we ought to be saying, look, this is producing behavior in all of us that is unwanted, undesired, unproductive, and unjust, and we should get rid of it for that reason. We're going to need to leave it right there. We were joined by Professor Richard Wolf. He is the co-founder of the organization Democracy at Work and the author of many books, the latest being The Sickness is the System, When Capitalism Fails to Save Us from Pandemics or Itself. You can also check out a new hard copy edition of Professor Wolf's book, Understanding Marxism, and check out all of his work at rdwolf.com. You've been listening to The Socialist Program. We bring you content three days a week thanks to the support of our patrons. You can sign up at patreon.com slash the socialist program. You've been listening to The Socialist Program with Brian Becker, where we bring you news and views about the world for those who want to change it. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on your favorite podcast app and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and watch video episodes of our in-depth show, The Real Story, every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on YouTube with our partner, Breakthrough News. We can only continue our work bringing you high-quality news, analysis, and history with the support of our listeners. Connect with us and become a patron at patreon.com slash the socialist program and receive an invitation to participate in an exclusive monthly seminar with Brian Becker. Thank you.